every business has bottlenecks. So, um, so it's essentially um, all businesses have multiple systems within them. So at any moment in time, there's a bottleneck somewhere. And, and then I want to find out what that bottleneck is and I'm going to go solve it. And then as soon as I speed up the speed of that system, it increases the speed of the whole company. But then it shows me another bottleneck somewhere else. Something else will get slow and I'll go and focus on that. So and then you just play that game where you're going from one solving a bottleneck to another, identifying is it a people thing? Is it a process thing? Is it a technology thing? And just welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, I have Jay Bergana on today, the man who has built real estate teams and brokerages up to $350 million of production, the guy who could teach you how to go from zero to $100 million through acquisitions and all kinds of crazy things. He's a straightforward dude, and we're going to be straightforward today in our episode. So if you want to learn how to build a real estate team right and build these businesses, acquire businesses, this is the show to listen to. So we're going to dive right into it, Jay. Take us into how did you grow your real estate business from zero to $350 million a year in sales? A lot of work, um, you know, it's it's part marketing, sales, and then part recruiting talent and having the uh, right processes uh, to help that talent thrive and succeed and then having the right culture and the right environment for that talent to stay and stick around for, you know, a long time. So I love to develop teams where and develop cultures where people stay and then we compound the knowledge, we compound the trust, we compound the uh, innovation, we compound the productivity over a long period of time. I don't really like businesses that churn and burn people. Yeah. Agent businesses in particular, team leaders, the churn and burn seems to be on a whole nother level, right? Maybe yes. that's the fault of the team leader. Maybe that's the fault of the agent's mentality of going into a team. Can you kind yeah. of explain like, where does the, I don't want to say fault necessarily, but where does the problem lie with retention? Yeah, it's in a lot of places. So one, um, a lot of times team leaders, they're just uh, kind of closing the gap. They think, oh, I have too many leads. I'm going to hire somebody to handle those leads. And then, you know, I'll train them and then hopefully they're going to produce. And then I'm going to hire another person, another person. But usually you have to go you know, both top down and then bottom up. Number one, you have to understand what your values are for yourself. And so those are, those, that's what goes from top to bottom. For me, you know, when I was building, when I build any business, it doesn't matter. My values are growth and contribution. So I want, I want to uh, fulfill my potential. I want to learn, develop, grow to my potential and beyond. And then I want my, the people around me to be the same. And I want my clients to do the same. And I want my community to do the same. The same way, the same thing I want contribution. I'll, I'm all about giving and helping. And because I know the more I give, the more I get. It's a selfish thing. It's not just like, you know, foo-foo. It's a selfish thing. The more you give to the universe, the more you get back. So I want to give back to my people. I want to get back to my family. I want to get back to my clients. I want to get back to my community. So if the person is, does not want to learn or does not want to grow or does not want to uh, contribute and they're selfish about me, 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 
I don't want that person in my world. I don't want that person around me. If I can't spend two hours with somebody, if I can't spend three years with somebody, I'm not going to spend two hours with them. If I can't spend 10 years with somebody, I'm not going to spend 10 minutes with them. So I want people that fit those values. And then and in terms of culture, the culture is bottom up. So when you have a group of people, you know, you want to understand who they are. So, you know, are they taco people or burger people? Are they country music people or are they like house music people? Are they um, dog people or cat people? Are they, do they like to hike or they like to go to bowling? Do they, who are they? And then so a lot of times what you're going to find, there's a theme, there's a theme that, that shows up that unites that group. And then if you could identify that through surveys, through interviewing, through asking directly, you're going to find out that oh, to observing, just, just watch people, you're going to find out what that theme is. And then and you articulate it back to the people. It's like, okay, this is who you are, guys. You all like this. You all like this. You all like this. You all like this. And then now we drop those values in that bucket of culture and then we merge those two together. So now people have values that they can live their life by and they have commonality among themselves. So now we know who to hire. We don't hire people. If we have burger people, we're not gonna hire, you know, something else. So if we're, you know, if, if, if all my guys have dogs, I'm not gonna hire any cat people. So that's essentially the idea. So we hire in culture and then people like each other. They wanna be around each other. And they stick around. One of the um, one of the uh, the learnings that I had one time at an event, uh, a multifamily event, was that luxury multifamily uh, 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 syndicators or or developers. One of the things uh, they they do they spend a lot of space on these uh, these areas where like a playroom, a movie theater room, uh, a wine cellar, a free beer, free coffee. And I'm, I asked, and I was like, hey, you know, if we're trying to maximize the yield out of their as this asset, why are we sp wasting all this space? We could put more units. You know, why are we doing this? And then what, what I was told, which was very smart, uh, is when, you're, when, when you have a tenant, so the biggest cost in multifamily is churn. You know, you have to turn the units every time. So every time someone leaves, you have to clean up, you have to paint, you have to do carpet, you have to do all this stuff. So we want to eliminate that. We want people to stay as long as we can in those units. And one of the ways to do it, what they found out is that when a tenant has no friends, it's a 50-50 proposition, they're going to stay in that building. When they have one friend in that building, it goes up to about 70%. When they have two friends, it goes up to 80. When they have three friends, it's like 95% chance they will renew their lease in that building. So, so they create these spaces to allow for opportunities for people to make friends and big, make connections and make relationships. And that will allow for them to stay and they do activities and they organize, they spend money. And so I thought it was super genius and I applied it in my business. So one of the things that I had in my team is to have somebody that's in charge of connecting any new person that comes in our world with as many people as possible. The goal for us is that when someone is moving, our team is the one that helps them move. When someone is having a wedding, there's the team is the biggest group in the in the wedding. When someone is at a hospital, our team are there at the hospital. So there's there's deep connection where it's not forced, it's naturally and organically happening.
so that's the, the the retention component. And this this serves like family. I mean, it's really truly like when you start going to weddings and events and hospitals. Yes, that's like a church or like a, a family level right. of of connection. Yes, that's a good that's a good thing. There's a great book if you want to read. It's called Sticky Churches. And it's a it's a great book around developing culture, developing um, um, ta- developing connection, uh, and all that. So I'm not I'm not a religious person, but I thought it from a management standpoint. That's a great book. Yeah. Well, and kudos to you, man, for not being a religious person, but willing to dive into any text that's going to help you in yeah. business. Yeah. Absolutely. Kudos, Absolutely. man. So, how much of this culture thing? I mean, obviously you're reading books, but how much of it was an eight to you and how much of it was a learned skill? I think, I think majority of it is skill. I think what I had in me is the desire to learn. I have that desire to grow. And from the beginning, I figured that I needed from, I couldn't do anything by myself. I needed to develop relationships and do things through others. And so one of the first books I've read was, you know, how to win friends and influence people. So it gave me the opportunity to, you know, learn how to, you know, uh, develop connection with people on one-on-one. And then I dove into a lot of the um, uh, Maxwell books and, and on leadership and, and then, and then just like kept going. And I mean, Dan Pink is a great author. He has the, uh, the book uh, around motivation uh, I think it's called Drive, uh, and he talks about what drives team, what drives people, and you know, uh, hint, it's not money, uh, it's anything else but money. And uh, so when you go with the perspective of you know coming from a money standpoint, you lose right away. Like as soon as you start thinking, oh, I need to think about the comp plan and the split and how much money. You're right there. You lost. You lost the game because that's not about the money whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, and like psychologists have shown, like once people get, I mean, it used to be seventy five thousand. It's probably one hundred and twenty five now with inflation. Once people make, yeah. you know, hundred hundred twenty five thousand, everything above that is is a very little value uh, to them yeah. as a human being. Yeah, well, it's not like it's not like it's very little. There is value, but it just comes, it goes down in the order of importance on priority. You know what I mean? And so it is still there, but it's not as high on priority as uh, as before. You know, and Dan Pink talks about this. He talks about the three motivators or drivers for people and employees and teams. Is number one is mastery, which is the growth component. So I want to learn and develop and get good at what I do. And can you teach me as a leader? Are you someone who's a teacher? Are you going to make me better this year than I was last year? So that's mastery. And then two is autonomy. People want to be, have control over what they do. You know, are you going to teach me enough and give me the space to do what I do best? And then three, they want a higher mission. They want a bigger goal. They want this thing to mean something. So, and I've always thought about, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs never articulate what is the job to be done from that business. Like so a lot of times they don't articulate what is the impact of that business in society? Why does it exist? And how does the role of that individual within that organization impacts the business and impacts society as a whole? And people need to know that they want to feel good about what they do. They want to get up in the morning and understand why am I making cold calls? 
Why am I, you know, shuffling paper? Why am I driving to put those signs up? You know, so there's a bigger mission. There's a bigger uh, intent for society as a whole. And you need to articulate it as a leader to your people and keep articulating it over and over and over, reminding them why we're here, why we're spending the hours, why we're getting away from our family and spending the time to do this, and why we need to learn to get better. Why do we need to grow? Why do we need to sacrifice? Why do we need to put the customer first? There, so I think uh, leaders have to be intentional about these things and articulate these things. And, and none of the three things that I mentioned have anything to do with money. But we all know that those things will lead to money. If, you're master, if you get mastery of your skills, you will make more money. If you take ownership of what you do and get autonomy, you will earn more money. If you care about society and the people and your, and your team and your clients, they will send you referrals and you make money. 100%. So is there anything more important in a business than culture? A real estate business? Well, a lot, of things, a lot of things are important, but culture is a big one. Um, you know, you have, to have, you have to have systems, you have to have processes, you have to have repeatable uh, systems and processes. You have to have an identity or a brand that people recognize and understand the differentiation between you and everybody else. Um, you know, there is, needs to be an element of innovation, constantly improving, constantly getting better at what you do. So all these pieces, you know, a business in general, like which, uh, 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 I don't know, if, did I mention Peter Drucker? Not so yet. Peter Drucker, all right. So Peter Drucker is the father of management. And he talks about the purpose for a business to exist is to acquire customers and to keep them. And so that's it. So all you need to do is acquire customers and keep them as clients so they can you have a repeat business. That, that, those are the, the two purposes. I say it's a, little bit, it's a little bit of a twist where you do that, but also you need to acquire talent and to keep it. So from the acquiring the customer and keeping it, acquiring talent, keeping it. So you're doing both at the same time. You're, you have your sales and marketing channels. So you have to get good at marketing, good at sales. And then you have to get good at recruiting talent, attracting talent, and keep retaining that talent that we talked about earlier, the culture and all that. So, so and, and, and then in, for you to keep it, you have to have a good operation. You know, so your processes have to be laid out. You have to have understood what the customer wants. You have to understood what the, the field points of the client within your process are, and you have to, and you're constantly improving on that. So, um, so yeah, there are, there are multiple things within the business and every business is different, but the, at the end of the day, you have to be able to attract customers and keep them attract talent and keep it. Absolutely. So what would you say, like in a business, like, I mean, you're in the business now of acquiring businesses. So you're, you're taking on existing businesses. When should a business be focused on kind of like the, the steps one and two, like, and when should they be focused on scale? Um, uh, when does a business scale? When a oh, business scales, when they have a solid foundation. So when you have a foundation and what I mean by foundation is, you know, they have, um, they have a, a clean processes and repeatable processes and with that are essentially, um, you know, at or above the, uh, 
the the benchmark if you will of the market you know so you're 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 generating a certain amount of business every month you're converting a certain amount of business every month and then you have a team in place you know from an operation standpoint from a marketing standpoint from a sales standpoint that can handle more business and then you have a recruiting machine that can find talent as you grow because you don't want to grow too fast because fast growth without a good foundation will kill you and you don't want to go grow too fast without the right foundation and then you end up uh bleeding to that so i've seen it happen so many times so that's where that foundation is very important whatever it takes take your time you know if it takes a year great if it takes five years great you know i mean uh, if you if you plant an orchard it takes about five years for it to start giving fruit so take your time don't try to compete with the joneses and see that you know those uh, influencers on uh instagram make you feel bad about yourself just take your time build the, build the foundation for your business before you go into trying to scale everyone who listens to our show knows tim and i are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing we also know that everyone's situations and goals are different and while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. And the foundational pillars of a real estate business are, you know, like you said, clean processes, great talent, systems. Etc. Right. I mean, like, yeah, you want to build the talent first before you pour on the huge marketing machine and the sales machine. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, they're they're only they're not that many components. There's you have marketing, you have sales, you have operations, and you have recruiting. That's it. And yeah. if you have systems and people in place to do this at scale, then you go and knock yourself out and pour more fuel on the fire. But if you don't have the right people and you end up generating more business, but you don't have the talent, then people are going to be pissed off. Or you have a lot of talents, but you don't have enough business for them, then the people are going to be, be pissed off. Or you have the business and you have the, the, the talent, but your operation sucks, and then people are pissed off and your agents are pissed off. So, you know what I mean? So, so uh, growth will only uh, showcase or elevate your flaws. And you don't want... Yeah. So you don't want that. Now you're, now that you're stepping outside of just the real estate business, like how do you evaluate, like, are, are you still like super excited about the real estate business? Or like if you were buying a business today, would you buy a real estate business or would you choose another business? 
Um, I'm kind of agnostic on the business um, as long as it has a, a, found, a good foundation, a good margin, and potential for growth. That's it. So if it's a, we call it in the business acquisition world, we call it a platform business. So a business that's already established, has really good team, has good leadership, has good processes and systems. They have, it's a real business. They have their act together. And then it, it, it's dominant within its market. And then uh, it has good profitability. It's profitable. It's on the higher percentile of profitability in the whole industry, not the lowest, not in the middle, and, and has potential for growth. And, and doesn't have uh, customer concentration or employee concentration, meaning they're not getting all their leads from one source or they don't have like three agents that do 80% of the business. We don't want that. Uh, so those are essentially the, the, the main criteria. And I don't care what business it is, honestly. So someone gets plants, the orchard waits three to five years, grows up, is creating a nice crop, has got a, has hired all the workers to do it. Everything's coming in. Why does that person want to sell the business? A lot of reasons. Um, you can sell to take some risk off, you know, you don't have to sell the whole thing. You can sell part of it. You can sell the whole thing. People like, you know, people get tired. People want to move out of state. People, there are a lot of reasons for people, the same reason people sell homes, they sell businesses. And then there's some people that also sell because they want to grow to the next level. They, they know they're limited in their capacity. They got to, I don't know, $100 million in sales. They want to get to 500 or they want to get to a billion. So that's a different set of talent, different set of resources that you're going to need to get there. And so you can sell part of it. You can sell whole of it. it, it there, there are a lot of ways. Um, exiting does not mean giving up. Exiting does not mean, or selling does not mean, um, you know, you're going to walk away. Or, and, and if this orchard is, is crushing it and it's consistent and you're enjoying yourself and what you do day to day, then there's no reason to sell. Just it becomes a lifestyle business. It delivers cash flow, and, and you're good. So you mentioned a different set of skills and, and sometimes even a different personality from those that start businesses and those that either manage them or grow them. Do you find that you're more one or the other as far as that goes? Uh, good question. I, I, I did everything. So I spent years in um, turning around businesses and then I spent some years in, um, uh, in building businesses from scratch. I don't, so there's no like preference, but there's one that I find a little bit easier for me. You know what I mean? So if I have an existing business that's, you know, even the bigger, the better, you know, if I find a big business that's been around for 30 years, that's uh, grew not super fast, but it's still growing and has a platform. I know there are a lot of skills that I bring in in terms of efficiency and productivity and culture and new technology and marketing and sales management that I can amplify that size very quickly. And I can do just small things to add to the profitability of that business. Um, and, and it will increase the equity and the value of that business. So the bigger, the better, because I know that I can, I don't need to do that much to expand the value. Uh, of that business. Starting from scratch, it requires a lot of energy. It's like launching a rocket. You know, two thirds of the energy is at the launch. 
and it's you know it requires a younger person you know <laughs> i've done it it's tough man and uh yeah so i'm at the stage of my life i will do that if i had to do it again i'll start a business so it's not it's not yeah. an either or proposition well and it's like once a business starts getting established and it's got some revenue that when you start pointing that rocket now that it's going you know a thousand miles an hour in a different direction yeah. it makes a big difference in the trajectory correct Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. And it's a lot easier. It gets easier with time. Absolutely. I'm just that person that sometimes get bored after five years. So I have like a five year kind of shelf life, if you will. And so, you know, I've always had these life transformations every five years. I'm trying to make them in three years now. So I'm testing mm -hmm. this theory. I was like, oh, if I know more now than I did before, can I do that in three years? So I'll tell you in, in three years. Take us into some, like, what was the last cycle of life transformation? Like, what happened? What did you learn? How'd you grow? Um, so, so it was the, it was the start of the, the real estate business, you know, so I, I, it took about four years to get to that orchard phase. And then I exited like halfway to the fifth year. Uh, so that's one cycle. And then the following cycle was being in kind of like a, a, an executive within a large entity and and doing that being part of like corporate being corporate if you will and, and scale and grow that way and then the following kind of like two three years was kind of retirement and being in hawaii and and you know living the you know kind of like the the dream yeah. and uh, retired life with with my ties and so now i'm going into a different phase where i'm like all right i want to you know buy something that's where i'm active not passive about businesses where I'm passive. I want to do something that's I'm active. I'm in, in, in the trenches with the team. And, um, and I can see if I can do it in three years as opposed to five or seven years. That's awesome. And what, what sort of challenges appeal to you the most? Is it so like when you look at a business, you want them humming along pretty good, but do you prefer like, okay, this business has marketing issues or this business has personnel issues or. Yeah. So every business has bottlenecks. So, um, so it's essentially, um, all businesses have multiple systems within them. You know, you got marketing, you got sales, you got operation within operation. You might have two or three systems and then within, um, and then retention, recruiting and accounting finance, all these things. Right. So at any moment in time, there's a bottleneck somewhere. And, and then I want to find out what that bottleneck is. And I'm going to go solve it. And then as soon as I speed up the speed of that system, it increases the speed of the whole company. But then it shows me another bottleneck somewhere else. Something else will get slow and I'll go and focus on that. So and then you just play that game where you're going from one solving a bottleneck to another, identifying is it a people thing? Is it a process thing? Is it a technology thing? And just to keep the system going and to keep it going. It's the same way like in real estate. You know, if you don't have a lot of leads, your bottleneck in lead generation. If you don't, if you're not converting enough, your bottleneck is, t t you know, learning, teaching people how to convert leads. If you're, uh, if your people have people, they're showing houses or they're talking to sellers, but they're not signing contracts. Your bottleneck is in, you know, training them how to close. You know, if they're, if the uh, the transactions are not going in escrow but not closing, then your bottleneck is 
the managing the transaction and managing the emotion of the transaction and managing the other agents and the TCs and the financing and the lenders and figuring out what's the lender. So you speed that up. And if your bottleneck is not there, then you probably have recruiting problems. You have too many leads and not enough people. So you got a bottleneck. And then as soon as you fix one, another one shows up. So it's, it's an ongoing process of continuous improvement. When, I mean, you've exited a team, real estate team, which most people consider to be very, very hard to do. Correct. What level of systems and processes and revenue, like what was the, the mark that you had to hit before your team could be, you could exit? Yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a numbers thing. Um, it's the, the type of, do you have a business or you don't? You know, so a lot of teams, you're going to find that, you know, 80 to 60% of the production coming from the team leader. And that's not a business. You know, it's not a transferable, that's not a sellable business. So you have concentration of sales in one person. You know, if the brand is the brand about the person or the brand about the, the, the whole thing, that's concentration. It, within your, um, do you have uh, people that manage your marketing or are you the person who manages the marketing? You have people that manage training, or are you the one that manages the training? Because essentially, the business has to function. If you, you know, God forbid, get hit by a bus one day, that business not only needs to run for a while, it needs to grow without you. So it's not only a matter of like keep, you know, churning. Because the buyer, what do they buy? The buy, the buyer buys your earnings, I mean profits. That's what they're buying because your value of the asset is multiple of the earnings. So what is, how do you de-risk those earnings? So you de-risk your earnings by spreading, you know, by, you know, having diversity in sources of business, by having diversity in your operation, by having diversity in your leadership, by having diversity around. There's no concentration anywhere from a business standpoint. So that's essentially what makes a, a business sellable. Uh, you can have a billion dollar operation and 800 of it, people are coming from Joe Blow or for that person. It's not a sellable business. It's a job. It's a high paying job, but it's not a sellable business. Assuming someone went through the work of making a sellable business, like what sort of multiples and, and how should they think about like, what is the, how do they value their Real estate team in today's yeah. So most businesses in general, whether a real estate team or anything else, is are are usually um, usually calculated based on EBITDA earnings before taxes, depreciation, and insurance, and or um, or SDE, which is seller discretionary income, how much this the owner takes home every day. So in EBITDA, you always put back, if there's a salary, you always put back that salary into the into the, the number. And it's a multiple of that. So it could be anywhere between one, two, three, four, five, six. It all depends on the size. It all depends on the the profitability. If 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 in general the industry is a 15% margin business and this operation is doing 25%, that's a valuable operation because it's an efficient, it's efficient at creating profits. Um, if the operation has a really good corner uh, of the market, they're a niche and you wouldn't get that niche without them, that's a little bit higher multiple. If an operation has um, a really good reputation and a really good SEO and a really good 
kind of brand awareness in the market that's a higher multiple. So it all depends on, and then, but if you have concentration or if the person doesn't have good reputation or you know, any other things, it will reduce the, the, the multiple, uh, lower profitability, uh, high churn, um, all these things will reduce the multiple. So the multiple is the toggle that you play with based you know, to kind of showcase the quality of the business. Yeah. What would you say like is the biggest struggle that people usually have in creating that scale? Like what's the bottleneck usually if you were coaching somebody? Usually the leader himself. You know, usually the leader is the bottleneck. And uh, a lot of times what I found, because I found people that have been in business a lot longer than I, I was, you know, 25, 30 years, they have really good business. They're doing 250, 300 million in sales, uh, but they cannot exit because the majority of the business gets, goes through them. They are the face and they are the, they produce all the listings or they produce some of the high end. They keep the high end buyers for themselves. They take the listings for themselves. Um, they're trying to maximize because the goal, what they're doing, they're trying to maximize their own return. So when you maximize your own personal return, which is, which makes sense in a way you're taking away from the entity, from the business. So, and so they're not reinvesting back. And a lot of times you find that those teams have, you know, B level players, you know, the A levels are not going to stay. The A players are not going to stay because they don't have a lot of room to grow. So you have B and C players and um, it's, it's, it, it's concentrated on the person themselves. And, and it's okay. It's a lifestyle, you know, self-employment situation. And I don't even call it a business. It's a lifestyle and it's great. It works for a lot of people. They do really well. They live a good life, which is fine. Um, it's just not a transferable business. You know, I mean, I've seen people that can't even transfer that business to their kids. Their kids can't take it over, even if they wanted to. They're in the business with them and they can't take it over. So, um, so that's usually the biggest thing that I find in the real estate space. Wow. And, and so someone builds a business like the, the obviously other than exiting, like what are some of the benefits that you've gotten from building, you know, these multiple businesses to the point where they, they can exit or, or have, you know, great profits? Yeah. And I mean, so the ability to reinvest money into passive income, the ability to retire, the ability to have freedom of your time, the ability to have geographic freedom to live anywhere, be anywhere, um, not think of anything, bandwidth freedom. You know, I think of like total freedom, if you will. It's not just financial, it's, it's geographic and mental and all of it. Um, and then just the learnings. I think one of the, I'm a growth person. And I love to be dropped into, parachuted into a completely new industry, new business, new culture, and just, you know, observe and learn and, and understand the history, understand, you know, ask questions. Uh, that's just part of my DNA. I'm a curious person and I love to learn. So I think that's the fun part for me from acquiring different businesses or consulting with different businesses. And, you know, I've done it for a long time, so I enjoy it. Amazing. What is your vision for your life and business in the next 12 to 18 months? 12, 18 is a good number. Uh, I thought you were going to say 12 years, <laughs> 12 <laughs> months. Uh, so I'm moving and I've been here in Hawaii for a while. I'm moving out of Hawaii. Um, I'm trying to go East coast again, just to, you know, be somewhere 
new. I've never lived in the East Coast. I've never lived anywhere that's growing fast. Um, so I wanted to be somewhere like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, early, early Texas, early Austin. So I'm looking at Tennessee, Nashville area. I'm looking at Florida, the, you know, a little bit north of Miami, like Fort Lauderdale and Boca Raton and all that. And Tampa is growing. All these areas are growing so fast. So I want to be able to live there and be able to uh, experience that culture and experience those people there. And then, um, you know, I'm looking at, um, I have a few uh, LOIs out there, offers on some businesses. So hopefully that will work out. And I'll spend the next three years um, growing one of those businesses and adding to it, adding more acquisition to that same business and, and hopefully do an exit in three to five years. Incredible. Jay, man, thank you for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom about real estate and business. I hope you guys got some nuggets from that on how to create the systems, processes, culture necessary to maybe one day have an exit, to create some freedom. I like love that you hammered on its freedom because that's what we're all about here. So guys, take some notes, share it with somebody you know along with the episode because freedom's acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 